Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to a midweek edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the mobile Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all your cleaning needs. Once again, we are from Saskatchewan today as uh, continue to visit the homeland for a bit but still have a full show for you guys today as the Flames win one that they didn't deserve to, the Canucks win one that they didn't deserve to but also didn't deserve to only give up a point to Vegas, it's weird. Um, the NBA play-in tournament is underway and the Blue Jays with a big early season test against the Yankees. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Instagram, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. So let's get into the NHL conversation first, as the Calgary Flames come away with a 5-3 win over the Seattle Kraken, and they had no business winning this game. One side of this will say, hey, that's what good teams do. They find a way to win, even when they're not playing at their best. The other side will say, oh my God, it's April, and once again, this team is only playing half games and getting scared by one of the worst teams in the league. Either way, Win is a win. And you can also say, well, look, I mean, under Daryl Sutter, they they, 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 they they wouldn't have been able to come back late in that game and find the fortitude late to dig deep and pick up a win. And we can never know. That's, I mean, that's part of the fun of sports talk is like, we're not any of these guys. We've never been any of these guys. We'll never be any of these guys. And so, hey, we're just kind of guessing along with all of this. And we that's why I kind of just like to go off of uh, what, I see. And what I saw was a Flames team that was losing every battle that was presented to them. And they looked slow and they looked disinterested in the first half of the game. And then the second half of the game, it was, okay, well, may as well try now. And then once they turned it on, it was just, it was over. Seattle didn't have a hope in uh, the, the back part of that game, I thought. Anyway, defensively, it was still not perfect, but still a, a pretty strong showing for the Flames in the back part of that game. And again, it's difficult to really get on a team that doesn't totally have a lot to play for. Like, they, you could see the excitement when Johnny Gaudreau got his 100th career point. Like, there was obviously a focus there, and so I think that kind of motivated them a little bit in this game. And so, like, there's still a little bit of that, but there's a lot of manufacturing you have to do to find reasons for the Flames to give a damn in the, these last, whatever it is, 10 games or so now, because they basically have the Pacific Division all wrapped up, and they're not catching Colorado for the, the one seed. So it's, and also I don't know if you want to, because then you might have to play Vegas in the first round. We'll get to Vegas coming up in in a little bit. So it's, it's easy to see why it would be a bit of a lackadaisical start, and I do think it is a good sign that Daryl was able to kind of get the boys in line getting into that that third period but it, it wasn't it wasn't great um the other i guess controversy from this game is markstrom gets the start in goal he gets yanked after two i think a bit of that was hey why are you guys being shitty and just a bit of a wake-up call to the, the the team like you guys are hanging this dude out to dry when he's been stealing games for you all season long but i don't see why he needed to play that game i understand you can't just sit him for a month and then oh hey he's fresh for the playoffs and then he gives up four goals on eight shots in the the first game against nashville and the sky is falling in the city so i i get you can't do that but he didn't need to start this one um 
You, you have a, a Seattle team that I, I will say, well, we'll get to Seattle in a little bit, but I, I liked the fire that Seattle played with. And you, you just, you, even if this was January, I would say, eh, probably didn't, didn't need to start Markstrom in that game. The other part of it is the team in front of him clearly didn't give a damn. And so dude is getting shelled back there. And there's a lot of like cross post chances that he had or cross crease story chances that he he has to deal with. And it just, it almost, I don't want to say it felt dangerous because I mean, there, there's a part of danger in anything. You can walk out in the street and get hit by a bus, which is a weird example that people always use. Like, hey, maybe look for the bus. But regardless, things can happen, right? Um... But it just felt like if the team in front of him is going to put out that kind of an effort, you're kind of just exposing him to a greater potential of getting banged up or at least of uh, of wearing himself out. And I understand the, he's an NHL player and he he's a goalie. He already only plays two-thirds of the games. Why, why can't he play in this one? Because they're hockey players and they're men and that's what men do. We do have to take into account, this is a human being who has never played more than 60 games in a season, including the playoffs. Now, I will admit, I didn't go back and look at World Hockey Championship records, but when you you focus in on just the regular season and the playoffs, this guy's peaked at 60. We're at 58, so we're probably getting to 60 before the regular season, and I think the Flames would kind of like it if he played about 20 of them things in the postseason. Just a thought. Probably more than 20, honestly. But you know what I mean. Um... And so I, I do, I do get a little worried that this is, this is a guy who's been a number one and he has been a stud and he should be getting more Vesna talk than I think he is deserving. Although the, the Vesna winner, I think is a runaway out in New York this year, but it's, I understand again, the, the want that, well, this guy just has to keep playing. Like you don't want him to get rusty, but I, I think we are at a point now where you need to start worrying a little bit more about the load management side of things, which again is a, a dirty, dirty word in hockey circles. And I know, I know, but this is a Flames team that has eyes on playing deep into May and God willing June. I don't think you need to wear these dudes out in April. Honestly, I'd start to look at some of the other regulars. I don't know if Johnny needs to play every game down the stretch. I don't know if Kachuk needs to play every game down the stretch. And if your argument is, oh, these guys are going to get rusty. I don't know if the first period and a half of that game is doing anything to slow down rust from get, from building up. I think that's developing bad habits anyway. I, if these guys are going to kind of half-ass their way through some of these games, and again, I, I'm really shitting on them, but they, they, they came up with a big third period, and that was impressive. But if they're going to play like that in the first half of these games, just sit them. You know, like, just... Don't risk the injury. Don't risk whatever. Let these guys have a bit of a breather. If Johnny Gaudreau plays 79 games instead of 82 or whatever, it's going to be fine. The world's not going to collapse. Maybe in his heart of hearts, he wants to prove that he can play all 82 and, and all of that. But Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and this entire team have much more to prove in the postseason than the regular season. We've set, we, you, you guys win. We've established regular season. Y'all can do this. It needs to be, it needs to be done in the playoffs, and I think the best way to have that set up. Again, I'm not saying sit all these guys for a month, but maybe every other game for some of them. You know, just work some of the the uh, bench players in and the the popcorn eaters in 
a little bit more and give some of the regulars a bit more of a break. Couple notes on the Kraken side. I thought uh, Ben Ears was really, really good. Um, I thought there were times where he was the best player on the ice. The, the shot was good on that power play look that he had. I thought that was an excellent feed to Donato, also on the power play for his first assist. I thought he was really good. And that's a, a great one for the Kraken. And also, you really like to see the, the pride that this team is playing with, um, not just folding it up down the stretch. And again, I was very hard on the Flames here. That was a good third period, and that was a good win. And like I said, when they turned it on, it was just, it was over. The power play was able to get them back into it. The thing that I really do appreciate about this Flames team, they seem to think the game at a high level. Like, there's just a lot of, oh, well, I need to take like a step back here, and now I'm wide open for this opportunity. It just seems like when they're going well, and we only got a bit of that, but when they are going well, this team just sees the game at another level, and that's going to, I think, help them down the stretch, but that that whole losing puck battles, losing races, losing interest thing that that can't that, that that's got to stop very very soon. Canucks taking on Vegas in the other big game of the night. The Canucks had no right being in this game, and then in the third period they had no right giving up a point in this game. It, it was a really really weird one, and it's also weird in a sense that you don't often with a team that wins five to four say that yeah goalie stole that one. But the goalie stole this one, especially early on. It, it looked very similar to the bubble playoffs, where Vegas just couldn't put Vancouver away, couldn't put Vancouver away, couldn't put Vancouver away. And eventually they finally did, but it took a lot more effort than it probably should have because of the play of Thatcher Demko. And when it was tied at one, it felt like in this game, okay, Vegas is going to take control. And Demko just never let them do that. And part of that, I get like, Vegas, everyone is slowly working their way back into the lineup and everyone's kind of figuring things out. But th this is, again, reminiscent of some of the issues. And I, <laughs> I'm talking about goal scoring problems for a team that scored four last night. But this is reminiscent of some of the issues this team has had in the playoffs the last couple of years, where all of a sudden it just kind of dries up. And I know they scored four, but they they shouldn't have had that much trouble with Vancouver with the whole finishing thing. And Demko is one of the better goalies in the league. That's going to happen, but it just seems to happen to Vegas a bunch. And that's it, it it just it was too it was too similar to some of the issues that this team has had in the past. And they're going if they're going to get in, they're going to get a tough matchup, either Edmonton or Colorado in round one. And neither of those teams are teams that you want to have goal scoring issues against. For Vancouver, it really drove home last night how frustrating it must be for people in Vancouver right now, because you look at all the talent that kind of feels like it's being wasted. And man, I'm being really hard on teams that won important games last night. But you look at Demko, Pedersen, Horvat, Hughes, all stepped up in this key game. Pedersen was, aside from Demko, was unquestionably the best skater on the ice last night. Horvat is a dog. And Hughes, the patience that he shows in overtime, to just wait out the goalie, wait out the goalie, and then boom, scores. Like, that's that, that's high-level stuff. This team has players who can play at a high level. They have a core and a foundation that teams would kill for, and they've surrounded it with doo-doo. And I think a uh, new regime is going to help with that, but man, they got a lot of work to do to, to dig this team out. For Vegas, it, again, it just it really needs to get going. And everyone expects the Kings are just going to fall out of this thing, I, I always kind of find that funny. And I get, like, they lost Drew Doughty. That, that seems like a pretty straight line. Lose best player, fall out of playoff spot. This team has been one of the less talented in the NHL 
all season long. You think one more knock to talent? Um, sorry, not in the NHL. There are in the NHL playoff race. There are a lot of teams that are worse than the LA Kings, but they've been the surprise all season long. And while Drew Doughty is a big loss, no question, to just assume, okay, well, the Kings are done, I, I think is assuming too much. They get a win last night. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep grinding. They, they still have a few veterans on that team. And again, they haven't been out-talenting a bunch of teams all season long. What's one more injury? Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein. And this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week, we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Moving into the NBA, it is play-in time, and we got, were treated to a couple of good ones last night. Brooklyn ends up beating Cleveland. The final score there, 115-108. Um, this one, Cleveland makes it a game late. They didn't go away. You, you like to see that. There was a few things about Cleveland's game that I actually kind of liked. Um, there was more about Brooklyn that I liked, of course, because they, they won the game. Although, if you heard the hockey part at the, the start of this, clearly winning doesn't get you just praise here. You got to gotta show it a little bit more. And there were concerns about Brooklyn, too. And God, I'm being very negative today. Um, but my concern about Brooklyn is that they had to take a boatload of really tough shots. The good news is they made them, but and they have the guys who can make them, right? Like Kevin Durant has never taken a contested shot in his life because he's just taller and longer than everyone and better than 99% of people that he's ever played against. So there's that. But Kyrie, like, making that three over Markinen, And, like, they, they got some easy shots too, don't get me wrong, but they had to work for a lot of those shots. And they, they had some really difficult looks go in for them. And if any team is going to make those, it's them. But if any team is going to force them into more of those looks... It's the opposition in the next round in the Boston Celtics. And one of those teams, Boston or Brooklyn, is going to have a horribly disappointing end to this season. And that is going to leave a lot of questions for whoever ends up losing it. And if it, if it is Brooklyn, the, the question is, based, is probably just going to be, okay, well, a full season of Kyrie and the depth that we have been able to build with this team, with the... Um, the uh, acquiring Simmons and Curry and Drummond, then we are going to be able to do X, Y, and Z next year. So maybe that that's just it for, for Brooklyn. For Boston, maybe it's just, well, Time Lord got hurt. Everyone started to, to figure things out in the second half of the season. We're going to be a juggernaut next year. You you can describe away, describe it away all you want, but it's going to feel like a wasted season no matter who loses this one. And th there isn't a ton really to take away from this one. And maybe that's why I'm focusing more on the negative than the positive because Brooklyn was always going to beat Cleveland. Um, Kevin Durant was exceptional. Kyrie was phenomenal all night. Drummond was open a bunch <laughs> and took advantage. Like that. that's how they're, they're going to, to do it. But I'm now really interested to see because of the, the, the tough looks that Boston had to kind of grind through. I'm now, or sorry, that Brooklyn kind of had to grind through. I am now interested to see how Boston defends these guys. Like, can you just go one-on-one, -on -one, Tatum on Durant, and just open it up that way? Because that was one way that Brooklyn was killing Cleveland in this game, was Cleveland or uh, Durant would draw the double team really, really high. Durant or Kyrie would draw the double team really, really high. And then it was, it was almost like 
uh, a shrunk down version of how you are, are supposed to break or how at least you used to um, break the press where you have the big in the middle and you get it to him. He turns quickly, boom, because that way, like he's looking over everyone. And so even with a lot of pressure, he still can at least see the floor a little bit better um, amongst all the, the waving arms. They kind of did that in this. They would have um, Durant or Kyrie again, draw the double team. You'd have Claxton down around the free throw line. So that draws a lot of the coverage up there. Durant with a quick dump over to, to Claxton or Drummond. And he either has a clear lane to the basket or you have Brown or Mills or whoever cutting baseline and he is just wide open for a dunk. I thought that play, they ran it in times that they really needed a bucket. And I thought they did a really, really good job with that one. But that, again, requires the double team. If you have smart guarding Kyrie, I don't know if you need to double. Not that, okay, well, Kyrie's only going to get five points now. Like, obviously, Kyrie's going to get his. But I, I don't know if Boston doubles in a playoff series as aggressively as we saw Cleveland do that. And then one-on-one, -on -one, you take your chances. But th this is, this is going to be an exceptional series. I can't wait. All of these games are going to be so much fun to see. And I, I think that the, the Time Lord injury really does hurt because we saw rim protection was a bit of an issue for Cleveland in this game, and that ended up biting them. But for, for Cleveland now, they have a matchup with either Atlanta or Charlotte. That game goes down tonight. It's going to be, it with no Allen, it's just so tough. You could really see they missed that rim protection down low. I like Mobley. I liked Levert's game a lot in this game. I thought Mobley and Levert were the two best players. I thought Levert's distributing was very good. Um, I'm interested to see how he fits in with this team next year. They're probably making at least one trade. It's not going to be Garland. It's either Levert or Sexton. But I, I like obviously something's building in Cleveland. This is a big, excuse me, big first step. Um, big first step for them. In the West, Minnesota beats the LA Clippers, and a lot of people today talking about how, man, Minnesota celebrating as if they won the, the, won the NBA Finals. It's like, yeah, this is the closest they've been to the NBA Finals since Kevin Garnett left, and that dude's been done so long, he's in the Hall of Fame now. So yeah, it's been a minute, let him enjoy it. And then with how that game went down, where Carl um, Anthony Towns fouls out with quite a bit of time left, which is in itself concerning, but he time, or uh, he gets subbed out. You're down by a bunch. It feels like it's slipping away. And then just big shot after big shot, after big shot, after big shot. And then it felt like Minnesota couldn't miss down the stretch, but I think it was like a, a 15 to three run that they went on uh, after cat went down or cat got fouled out. And so with that game, with it feeling so hopeless and with it being the biggest game Minnesota has hosted since like 2002, of course they're going to react that way. And the players are building off of it. And Patrick Beverly, who doesn't need a whole lot to get the MJ, and I took that personally, meme going, boy, he was fired up for that game and he was feeding off the crowd and they were feeding off of him. And so everyone was feeding off of those two entities. And then you have Anthony Edwards who's throwing down monster dunks that look like they're going to break the rim. And it's like, how could you not get caught up in that excitement? And also, I don't know if you've noticed, it's 2022 and everything sucks. Unless you're 1% of the population. Um, it's not great. We're, we're still kind of in a pandemic. World War III just feels like it's on the horizon at any point, and everyone hates each other. If people are going to get excited about a basketball game, let them get excited about a basketball game. Um, coming up now, it is Minnesota taking on Memphis. I love how Minnesota can defend. If Memphis doesn't have John Morant back at 100%, this gets very, very interesting, even though Memphis has played very well down the stretch without John Morant, but... 
if Jaw's healthy, this is going to be a quick flash for, for Minnesota, but I think they have enough size that they can kind of, or enough size and enough defense and enough athleticism. Like, I think they can hang in there with Memphis, but it does kind of feel like they're just a slightly less good version of Memphis right now. But that's going to be a fun series. I'm looking forward to it. For the Clippers, like, it's been a gutsy performance all year. They've kind of maximized the value on a lot of dudes. But there was a couple of decisions down the stretch. I get, like... There are some times where you have to take an open shot, and then there are some times late in the game where you have to wonder, why am I so wide open? And I, I, the Morris brothers have never been good about figuring that out. Like, oh man, two minutes left, we're down by five, I'm wide open for three. Ah, well, they probably just forgot about me. Launch up the three and miss. Like, that, that just, that kind of feels like them, and there was a couple of those last night. I think they got flustered by the moment, a lot of their guys. Um, like, it, it just seemed like they got overwhelmed in that game. Paul George had a couple of big shots. Reggie Jackson, again, was good. I think they beat the hell out of either San Antonio or New Orleans in the next game, but um, I, I think they lose rather handily then to, to Phoenix going forward. The NBA regular season is done, which means awards time. So let's go through some of the uh, some of the awards here, shall we? We will start with MVP. My MVP this year is Nikola Jokic. Um, Embiid had a phenomenal season. Giannis had a phenomenal season. But I don't think anyone matched, A, the great season that Jokic had, while B, also carrying a team that, like, if, if Jokic isn't playing, this is one of the worst teams in the league. And it's not particularly close. But Jokic has got the most out of this team. He has made literally everyone else on the floor better. And he's made some exceptional plays. Like, to, to drag this Denver team not even into the play-in round is... Excellent work. So he gets it for me. I have Giannis at two over Embiid. I thought again, like Embiid didn't have as good of teammates, obviously, as Giannis did, but Giannis able to get his team into a three seed. I guess it's just one seed higher than than Philadelphia, but I, I, I just think we have to give a little bit more credit to what Giannis is able to do. Defensive player of the year. My number three is Triple J out of Memphis. I thought he really took a turn this year in how well he was able to play defensively and is a big part of what Memphis is able to do defensively, and I like that. A lot of people, I think, have fatigue on Gobert, and for a number of reasons, I don't blame them. But in this case, he is still a game-changer out on defense, and th there's... There's been this narrative because of how easily he was taken out of that playoff series. Oh, well, just go super small, spread him out, and Gobert can't really handle it. It's like that that takes away a bit of Gobert's effectiveness, but he's not getting blown by by guards or anything like that. He is still an effective defender when he is out there and when, when teams have this blueprint for him. And I thought, I think that has to kind of take into account too. There was a full-on display on a national level of how you beat the Utah Jazz and how you make Rudy Gobert less effective. And everyone had that, and only a couple could really execute that. Um, so I have him number two. Smart for me is number one. Um, he's the best defensive player on the best defensive team. That's basically it. I, I think, and like, he can guard three different positions. He can do it very well. There's, yeah, don't have a, a whole lot else to say there. Rookie of the year, my number three was Cade Cunningham. My number two was Mobley. My number one was Scotty Barnes. It's a homer pick, I'm sure. But also, like, Scotty Barnes was asked to do so much on a team that finished so far ahead of both of those teams. And I think that kind of has to matter. It's not full-on MVP like that, but, like, he his offensive rebounding 
helped get the Raptors to a five seed and his tenacity on defense. He also improved his shooting a lot throughout the year. I just thought like he was asked to do the most of any rookie and he did the most of any rookie. Cade at three, I see a lot of people picking him to win. I just, it was such a slow start and they're such a bad team that it's just, it's easy for him to, to get a few more of those points. So I'm, I know I'm holding the, the, the slow start to the season against him and I know I'm holding his team against him, but these are my awards. So it's fine. Most improved at three, Anthony Simons turned into like an actual guy for Portland and they needed that. Jordan Poole is my number two to turn into a rotation player and a key rotation player on a team that has championship aspirations that gets you there. But number one is Desmond Bain. Whenever you can have people questioning Masai Ujiri's drafting, then you've done very well. And Desmond Bain has made everyone question their drafting this year, but he has taken such a gigantic step. I had money on uh, Triple J as most improved player. I'm hoping I can get just like a little bit of a sprinkle because I got the right team, just uh, the wrong player. My all NBA teams, um, this was actually quite a bit easier than I thought. Um, obviously the big discussion is who is at center, but I picked Jokic as MVP. So I think it's pretty clear who I'm going with for first team. Um, which means Embiid is second team, which just, it, it just, it seems wrong, but still. So my first team is Luca and Booker at the guards. Luca, uh, I know it's hypocritical. I'm not holding a slow start to the season against him, but I am, uh, I am against Cade Cunningham. But again, it's my list. I can do what I want. It's my show. I can do what I want. And Booker, again, best player on the best team. He has to be there. I did put Kevin Durant in my forward spot. I know he missed a bunch of time. If he doesn't miss a bunch of time, he might be the MVP. He is playing at such a high level. And so I just... I have to reward that. And then Giannis, obviously, the other forward. My second team, Curry and Jaw. If Jaw stays healthy, if either of them stay healthy, Curry, his play certainly dwindled throughout the, the season. I don't know if that was the right use of the word dwindled, but he didn't play as well as the, the season went along. But if both of those guys stay healthy, then I they make a very strong case for number one. Two easy ones on this, uh, Embiid at center, Tatum at forward, that that just seemed like a lock. And then I went DeMar as my other forward. I, I thought he had an unbelievable season, and um, I, he gets the nod for me over LeBron on this second team because of, A, team success and just how key he was to that team. Honestly, truthfully, you could put DeMar DeRozan in the category of most improved, and you, you wouldn't get... Uh, a scoff from me. I think you get a scoff from a lot of people, but you would not. You you would not hear scoffs from me based on on that. Um, I an an excellent excellent year for Demar Derozan, and certainly not one that we thought he had in him in this the year of our basketball gods two thousand twenty. Two. So that means third team, Trey and Chris Paul. You kind of run out of guards at this point. Um, LeBron is third team forward. Again, the team was terrible. He finishes second in scoring. He was very good this year. Pascal Siakam is my third team forward there. And Carl Anthony Towns is third team center. This was the best season of Cat's career. And he was unstoppable in the second half of the season. And I think that needs to be rewarded. So those are my all NBA teams and my NBA awards as we get ready for what's going to be an excellent postseason. music that you listen to on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. They have new stuff available now and you can find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent. There are X's where the A's would be in their name. 
closing the show with the Toronto Blue Jays today as they have split the first two games of their series with the New York Yankees. The obvious concern for Toronto is starting pitching. Uh, since we last spoke on Monday, they have had one very good outing and one very bad outing. Um, we will start with the good. Alec Manoa was dominant. I don't think enough people are talking about how good he pitched on Monday. The location was excellent, mixing speeds well. Like, he just had New York off balance all night. And the thing that really gets you about Manoa is he knew how good he was pitching all night, too. Like, it was like, yeah, strikeout. Okay, yeah, this one. The defense played well behind him. Offense got a couple of timely hits. But Alec Manoa, I, I, I said it here. Um... There is a non-zero chance he ends up being their best pitcher. Like, if this team does make it into the postseason, I remember back in 2015, everyone was assuming, well, David Price is going to be locked in as the, the Game 5 starter if the Blue Jays are able to come back in that series. And then they used David Price in Game 4 in long relief, and it set up Marcus Stroman. I'm not saying it's going to be this exact scenario, but honestly, I could see Alec Manoa starting game one of a postseason series for this team. He was that good and has the potential to be that good. And that, that was a good win. The next day, Yusei Kikuchi had a real tough time. Um, his location was off all day. He could not find the strike zone. And when he did, he got hit hard. That game should not have been that close. And I, I, I would love to sit here and tell you I still have concerns about the, the Yankee lineup after five games, but they hit the tar out of that thing. And just uh, another, I'm sure Yankee fans got a flashback to the, the wild card game with a bad send from third base. This one in the first inning of the fifth game of the year, so it's not going to be that big of a deal. But um, if it's not for a bad send and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. making a great leaping catch of the wall, they might still be playing in the first inning. Like the, the Yankees were all over the Blue Jays. That 3 nothing score was fair I guess four nothing was it um either way that score was way too flattering to how you say Kikuchi pitched and that's it, it it's not panic button yet by any stretch of the imagination but the 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 issue is for the Blue Jays if he's not good there isn't a oh well just bring this guy in because Nate Pearson's dealing with mono and I don't know if he's a starter when he comes back anyway um, this is a key year for them, for him, so that they're going to give him all the time in the world to work his way back as a starter. But if if the answer isn't Kikuchi, the answer isn't in this organization right now. And I, I think that is a bit of a concern right now, that there isn't a whole lot of pitching depth. They have a strong rotation, one through five. I still think one of the best one through fives in baseball. They haven't looked like it through one week, but we knew this was going to be a process of building these guys up Anyway, um, you even see the, the Yankees. Cortez was pitching fine, but then he doesn't even make it through five innings because these guys are just getting built up. So I'm not pushing the panic button yet for the Blue Jays. The one real issue, and they brought it up on the broadcast last night um, or after the game, Danny Jansen being out, I think hurts this pitching staff greatly. I think specifically it hurts Ryu greatly um, because now you just... You don't really have another experienced option that you can trust. Alejandro Kirk is kind of learning this on the fly. Zach Collins got brought in the last day of the regular of the of spring training. He's still learning these guys. Heineman has been with the team for half an hour, still thinks he can get a play on at first base, which was dumb. But I I would feel much more comfortable if there was a more veteran option at the, the catcher position right now. And they've done that the last couple of years, or they, they've done that before, anyway, like Caleb Joseph coming in. Um, I would feel much more comfortable if there was a one of those guys there because I think this pitching staff needs a bit more of a steady force back there than Alejandro Kirk, who I think 
is gearing up to get on a tear with the bat. He's been making some really solid contact. It just hasn't quite been getting there. But I, I do think that this pitching staff needs a bit more of a a solid option back behind home plate, especially if Danny Jansen's going to be out for a bit. That's going to do it for the show today. Thank you all for downloading and for listening to this point. Spring into action with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions this spring and get 10% off your booking when you call 403-274-3998 and mention Spring Promo. You can find me, Twitter, Instagram. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. One more podcast coming out. Um, hoping to get it done tomorrow as it is the long weekend and I just want to hang out on the long weekend. So uh, that should be coming your way tomorrow. Talking about a bunch of the fight stuff that we watched this weekend and probably a little bit more NBA and Major League Baseball because it's the season. So you have that to look forward to. Hopefully you have the rest of the day to look forward to as well. And I'll talk to y'all later. I'm out.